This is Shi'ar Jeshub, brought to you by Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing a sermon from the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband and Bible teacher, Pastor Greg Scalzo. The current sermon is from 2 Samuel chapter 24, as part of the section where David takes a census of Israel and Judah. And when we left off, Pastor was reading from verse 13, where the prophet Gad presents to David God's three options for punishment for his actions. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. Now consider. Gad tells him, consider. Consider these three possibilities, these three punishments, and tell me what I should bring back. Now before in the case of Uriah the Hittite with, with Bathsheba, God pronounced his punishment directly. He just told through Nathan what would happen to David and his family. So why here with Gad is he making David make this terrible choice, this agonizing choice? You know, famine, years of famine, being chased by the enemy, the enemy sword, three days of plague on the land. It almost seems mean, right? It almost seems cruel that God is saying, you have to choose the punishment, the punishment for your sin, David. The principle to our authority series from this section is this. There is an awesome, an awesome responsibility in leadership. What the leader does, the choices he makes, affects all the people, the whole nation. What David did as king in the power of his position will affect all the people in his land. The penalty is visited upon the sheep in his care. And that's the nature of things, right? When leaders take steps, when they make laws, when they make treaties, when they take actions, what the leader does by the very nature of things will impact the entire nation, all the people. It's an awesome responsibility. Every choice a leader makes, given his authority, is an awesome responsibility. Now, there's a limit to this nature of things in Christ. Just as in the case of David and Uriah the Hittite, what he did to Uriah's house had an impact as the head of his family on all David's children, right? All of David's children suffered because of what David did as the father. And this corporate bond between the leader and the nation, between the head of the family and the household, this is the way of things, but in Christ, there is a freedom we have, an individuality. The sins of the Father are not now in Jesus visited upon the children. Even if a nation goes astray, even if a leader goes astray, we as Christians are aliens in the country. We are called to a different Lord, a different King Christ. So the impact is not as great in the new covenant as in the old or the nature of things apart from Christ. But even in the church, right, what the leader does impacts on the people. We've seen that in the history of the church. 
what the leaders do, what the evangelists that are well-known, what they do, the sins they commit, bring shame upon the entire church. So even for us, we're free in Christ Jesus. Still, we are overshadowed by this basic principle, this rudimentary, elementary principle of the world, that what the leader does will impact the people. What you do, David, as a father impacts your children. Well, that is still true for Christian fathers. What you do, David, as a king will impact your nation. That's true even for Christian leaders. There is a corporate principle in the Bible, the nation, the community, the family, that says we're all tied into each other. And the decisions of the leaders will impact all. So then, to whom much is given, much is required. Be it if you're the head of a household, if you're a leader in your community, if you're a boss on your job, if you have the position, a position of the church of the Lord, if you're a secular leader, a community leader, a governmental leader, up to the president, the Supreme Court, to whom much is given, much is required. Then if you are a leader, you must think carefully, very carefully about your actions. You must consider carefully, very carefully, the choices you make. Had David done this when he called for the census? Did he listen to the advice from his generals concerning the numbering? We saw he did not. Did he consider how God viewed it? Did he look in the scriptures? Well, we have evidence he had some knowledge of the scriptures because he didn't number the children, but he didn't consider it in making his choice? Did he ponder? Did he weigh? Did he strive to make the right choice? Always aware, always aware that his choices have tremendous implication for the nation. Of course not. He had a concern. He's the king, and so he acted. And now God is hammering home the point He's making him understand the seriousness of his calling. He's making him have to think, have to choose the terrible penalty because, David, your wrong actions will indeed always bring penalties to the people. Now I will force you to ponder that the way you should have pondered it before. Now you're going to have to sit there and make a decision what punishment you want. In verse 14, and David said to Gad, I am in great distress. I can imagine. Imagine hearing a prophet come and telling you you're going to have either famine or enemies pursuing you or plague. Now you choose. He says, I'm in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercies are great. And you see that theme over and over in the songs, the Psalms of David. The Lord's mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. David has learned one thing from fleeing from Saul, from fleeing from Absalom, from his fights and dealings with the Philistines and all the other of Israel's enemies, all those fights he had with the different nations around him. He's learned the mercilessness of men and so he says he chooses the hand of God, and he opts for God's preference of either famine or plague, 
Please don't let me fall, he said. Don't let us fall into the hand of man. He chooses to fall into the merciful hand of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse 9, then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose for yourself either three years of famine, and here it says three years, which agrees with the Septuagint. Now some scholars who hold the seven years as accurate believe that this uh, wording is from Gad when he comes back to receive David's choice. And now God, in response to David's earnest prayer for mercifulness and understanding, has reduced the famine duration to three years. Some believe that the seven-year reference in uh, 2 Samuel means, you know, three years of famine just like they had in the seven years at the time of Joseph, that type of a famine, that severe famine being an adjective rather than a time period, whatever. He goes on to say, or three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else three days the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Lord. Now we got a little more information here. The plague in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what answer I should take back to him who sent me, the angel of the Lord. And we've spoken about this angel of the Lord. And this angel has the sword of the Lord, and he will destroy with the plague throughout all of Israel. So we see here a glimpse into the spiritual realms. When we think of a plague, we think of a bacteria or a virus, we think of the images we've seen on television of what they look like under the microscope. And that's the physical realm. And there are physical things that go on. There are physical laws. There are laws of chemistry and laws of biology. But from this section, we learn that there's also spiritual things going on behind the scene. We can see the virus, the plague. What we can't see are the spiritual realms where there are angels and demons, where things are ordained, where things are brought about, and here we learn that God actually sends out an angel to minister to Israel in a very odd way to bring destruction through this plague upon the land. And remember how this all starts. We studied this several times back. God is angry with Israel for sin. And the goal is to bring them to repentance that they may live. For what does it profit a man if he gains all wealth and he loses his soul? If we have longevity, if we have health, if we have prosperity, but we have eternity apart from Jesus Christ, we've lost everything. So better they learn the lesson of the penalty for sin in this world and live than to go and become as the nations around them to the point that they forget Yahweh, they forget the Lord God, they forget his word. And so behind this plague in the spiritual realms, there is an angel an angel of the Lord that is bringing this plague not just in one section, but to all the territory of Israel. There is a spiritual realm 
and you see in the spiritual realm the angel of the Lord swiping his sword upon the land, the entire land of Israel, and it has then physical impact, there's a physical plague that goes across the land. Many times we just see the physical. We see the plague. We see something you could put under a microscope and you can analyze. You can analyze the clay. You can analyze the elements. You can analyze the things of this earth. And you look at those elements and you say, well, this is a living organism. This is a plague. This is a bacteria. This is a virus. And we become very scientific in our analysis. But if you step back for a minute and you look, you see there's a whole series of things going on in heavenly realms. There are angels, there are demons, and here God unleashes this angel of his, this angel of the Lord. And some translations will take uh, the phrase angel of the Lord and capitalize the A in angel. And we've spoken about how the angel of the Lord, at the least, is a type of Christ. How the angel of the Lord, this angel has his sword, and it's the sword of the angel, these things that go on in heavenly realms that ordain the physical things that we can analyze and see. The unseen has really more impact than the seen. It's very hard for modern man to accept that or comprehend that, but the Bible teaches it over and over. We value your comments. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. Also, let me invite you to our Sunday service. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.